Hello, and welcome to this special bonus episode of the Samuel and Manuel Movie Podcast. Bonus episode, what? I'm Sam Reimer. And I'm Manny Manuel. Bonus yeah, we episode. Wanted to, want to wish a happy Independence Day to our brothers in the South. Uh, for those who don't know, which is probably none of you because only our friends listen to this, we are stationed up in the Great White North, so... By the time you're listening to this, we'll have already celebrated our country's birthday uh, about three days prior. Uh, happy 153rd, I believe, to Canada. 153, right? Wow. You're asking right. the wrong guy. Good for you, <laughs> sir. Happy 153rd wow. birthday to Canada and happy hell of a lot longer to America. Uh, it is currently July 4th. That means there's only one movie we can talk about, uh, and that's Independence Day. But before we get there, Manny, can you please inform people where they can find us on social media if they so desire? Well, just one thing. It's not It's not currently July oh, 4th. Oh, sorry, yeah. Thank you. Uh, currently in the world that you are listening to this, dear listener, uh, if you're listening to it on the day that this episode come out, came out, it is currently Independence Day. Yes. Uh, we're, we're still mired firmly in June, which I can say confidently for everyone has been a rough one. Uh, <laughs> so let's, let's hope the beginning to your July has been awesome. Let's hope you haven't blown your fingers off in a fireworks accident on July 4th. Um, yeah. But yeah, thank you for the correction. We are not currently on Independence Day. Yes. But you, the listener, are probably. Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. I just wanted to clarify. All right. Uh, on social media, yeah, people can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Sam underscore Manny underscore movie. They can find us on Facebook at the Samuel Manuel Movie Podcast. Just search us up and you'll find us. You can email us at sammanymoviepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts, whether that be iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Luminary. We love it. Find us up. Look us up. Listen to us. Love it. Do it all. All right. This is a bonus episode, so we're not doing, we don't have our preamble beforehand. We're diving right into this film that we actually wanted to do last year. Can't remember why we didn't. We were probably lazy. So, yeah, probably. I probably backed out on you. Probably. <laughs> so, I made sure that he couldn't back out this time and forced him to do back to back podcast episodes we just finished recording a podcast right before this and i'm glad we did that one first because this one's going to be way more fun than the other one so we have 1996 independence day released july 3rd 1996 directed by roland emmerich written by dean devlin and roland emmerich starring will smith jeff goldblum and bill pullman has a meta score of 59 it went one for two at the oscars sam it won for best best visual effects did not win for best sound. It had a budget of $75 million. That's $122 million adjusted. And Sam, it grossed $306 million in the U.S. Now, adjusted, that's $500 million in the U.S. Where do you think that would rank in 2019? If it had been, if it's $500 million, where do you think it would rank? Top 10? $500 million domestic? Domestic, yep adjusted uh that's that's tough to say I, I would have to imagine in the top 10 i i'm not well familiarized with the domestic numbers honestly i know that endgame i think just made over 2 billion worldwide or 2.5 million maybe mm-hmm. it surpassed avatar anyway mm-hmm. um which was at two so yeah. i don't really know i guess i would i would wager i would certainly think it's in the top 10 okay i could be wrong sam if uh adjusted it would have ranked fourth in domestic box office last year, behind only Endgame, could you think? Can you, you can you name the two other films that would have grossed more than this domestically? 
Then the, that, that came out last year. Yes. Uh oh god, what even came out last year? <laughs> once I t- uh, once I tell you the other two, you'll be like, "Oh god, that makes sense." Homecoming came out last year, right? It did. And I have to imagine that's one. It did uh, not. Nope, nope. It it really? made more money than Homecoming. Wow. Uh Toy Story 4? Uh that uh, actually finished uh 5th. This would have finished Holy shisa. Well, okay. It, well, Toy Story 4 technically finished 4th. This but move it would have finished fifth it behind would, Independence Day yes. last year. Gosh, I can't think of the other two movies for some reason. Yeah, well, yeah. you're, you're going to slap yourself when I tell them to Oh, you. sorry. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Rise of Skywalker. Yes, there you go. Rise of Skywalker has to be. I'm thinking big franchises here. So I've already covered the MCU. I think MCU only had two movies come out last year, right? Or am I missing one? Uh, no, it had three. It had three. Ugh, fuck! I, can't, I I genuinely can't think of the other one. Well, the other one the the other one wasn't an MCU movie, anyways. But the one you're missing is Captain Marvel. Oh yes. And it grossed four hundred twenty six million. That grossed more than Homecoming. Uh yeah. Uh and remember, it's Far From Home, not Homecoming. Oh sorry, not yeah. Homecoming. Yeah, far from Far From Home did three ninety. Mm. Um, Lion King. Oh shit. Yeah, I never saw that, so that makes sense. Yeah. So this movie would have beat out Toy Story 4, Frozen 2, Captain Marvel, and Spider-Man. Back in the days when uh, when a franchise didn't have to dominate at the box office. Of course, this has since become a franchise. I guess you could call it as such because Independence Day, what was it called? Resurrection? Re- Resurgence? Re-release? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Independence Day 2 has come out, uh, and I have not even come close to seeing it. I have not even considered seeing Independence Day 2. So, but, uh, but, yeah, it's it's remarkable that just some strange alien invasion movie in 1996 uh, did so well at the box office, and that movie was not Mars Attacks. Yes. That's a joke, by the way. I know. Okay. <laughs> so, the... <laughs> I, <laughs> I I didn't get to the plot because I did want to talk about the the gross uh, the box office of that movie because I think I think people tend to forget what a massive hit that this movie truly was. But the plot it's so funny it's in my notes. I had put it in here and didn't really really read it. And this is maybe one of my favorite plot synopsises we've ever had. The aliens are coming and their goal is to invade and destroy Earth. Fighting superior technology, mankind's best weapon is the will to survive. That's the plot for Independence Day. Sam, well, actually, that'll get ahead. So, spoiler-free discussion. Sure. Before we get into it, I have this is what I this is what I love for for you to talk about. One, had you seen this movie before? What were your thoughts when you saw it the first time? What were your thoughts upon the rewatch? Okay. I have seen Independence Day before. It seems like it's one of those movies that's always on TV, mm-hmm. especially when I was a kid, mm-hmm. uh, and especially, of course, in early July, for obvious reasons. Uh, so it, it was never one for me that I considered to be a favorite. I have seen this movie a few times in my life all the way through, 
but it was never one that I considered like an all-time classic or one that I considered like, I don't know, a, a classic sci-fi movie, even though I think a lot of people would, uh, especially just given how many people saw this movie, we saw the box office for it. So um, on this watch, I... I don't really know what I was expecting. I don't know if I was expecting anything to be different. Uh, and I don't want it to sound like I don't like this movie. This movie's tons of fun. But it, it's always stopped just short, in my mind, of being an all-time great sci-fi movie. There's a number of reasons behind that. Um, first, I guess the positives. Will Smith is so fun in this movie. Will Smith, uh, this was at the height of his powers as a bona fide movie star what uh, men in... oh sorry you're gonna stop me at this i did because i i i kind of knew you were gonna say that and so it's... this is at the beginning i guess of his run because men in black comes after this right yes this is what launched him into being a star the only thing he had done prior to this is he had done uh, a movie called six degrees of separation which let people know that this this kid could actually act because prior to this, he just had his television show, the fresh Prince of Bel Air. But then he did, um, he did, uh, sorry, six degrees of separation. Then he does bad boys with Michael Bay and it was a surprise hit. And so this movie is the one that launches him into becoming the superstar that he is. So yeah. this wasn't, th this wasn't at the height. This was, this was the takeoff. This is where he exploded upon the scene. Thank you for the for the correction, because that is, that is correct. He was just becoming, or was, I guess, after this, going to become one of the biggest movie stars in the world. Yes. Um, I was about, I was, a, I was a few months away from being born when this movie came out, so I didn't exactly know him from anything, let's say, but I, I did watch a little bit of uh, The Fresh Prince in my day. Um, I have watched a number of Will Smith movies, but in this one in particular... He has so many good lines. He has so many good <laughs> moments. Um, I, I guess we can get even to some of them. Welcome to Earth might be one of my favorite moments of this movie, of him <laughs> punching the alien in the face. It's so over the top, so stupid, and really just a perfect encapsulation of what this movie is. It's over the top. It's ridiculous. I find it absurd that the president himself goes and saves the day Sorry if you haven't seen this movie, but <laughs> this is spoiler free. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I find it absolutely ludicrous the role that the president plays in this movie, uh, and the degree to which he is responsible for the saving or destruction dot 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 of Earth, because we're spoiler free for this twenty-four-year-old classic. Apparently, uh, I love Will Smith. I love uh, Jeff Goldblum in this movie. Jeff Goldblum for some reason, always has a special place in my heart, both from uh, this, but more specifically from Jurassic Park. <laughs> his, his character in Jurassic Park is one of my favorites, but uh, he, he has this way of stuttering his way through sentences and adding pauses that don't need to be there that I find so very endearing, and I enjoy watching him speak. And I, I know that sounds sarcastic <laughs> or malicious, but I genuinely do. He has a way with words and a way with talking that I just admire. He's unlike any other actor, comedic or dramatic or otherwise. Um, I, I don't know why I don't consider this movie to be a sci-fi classic, at least in my books. I think part of it is that I didn't watch it enough. Part of it is that it is cheesy. I don't know. It, it, there's There's something emotional. It could also be 
the uh, the the propaganda of it all. It could also be that we are Canadian, as I already said. This movie at times operates like a I shouldn't even say at times. It operates as a whole as a glorified piece of propaganda, which, hey, I, that's not even that's barely even a criticism. All movies are trying to communicate ideas. All directors are trying to communicate ideas through their art. And the idea that Roland Emmerich was trying to create is that America's pretty fucking cool. All right. And he communicates it well. But that it, that's all to say that the message of the movie did not resonate with me, has not res- resonated with me, and probably will not resonate with me. It's the, the propaganda of it all, the cheesiness of it all, it elicits eye rolls at time. So I guess if, if, I, if I am going to summarize everything that I have just said, Independence Day is fun. The aliens are cool. Will Smith is hilarious, as he always is. There are parts that I like, parts that I don't like. The dialogue is also one that probably needed work, in my opinion. But it's a it's a criminally rewatchable movie and a criminally fun movie at times. That's that's the best best way I can describe it. So do you find it odd that while you have you you feel this is a a, like a u.s propaganda film basically that the director is german i do find that very strange actually i'm i was looking i wasn't uh i wasn't sure roland emmerich's uh, nationality as i was reading his name i'm like that name looks suspiciously german yeah he's very german but have you watched much of roland emmerich's other films do you know much just just about to navigate to his page but i don't know much about him okay well, let, let's... Oh, 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 oh boy. That's <laughs> <laughs> the best reaction I can give. Oh, boy. I have seen one or two. Okay. Uh, I've seen, obviously, this one, Independence Day. Yeah. That would be the earliest of his films that I've seen. I haven't seen anything before that. Okay. I saw his follow-up to this one, which was Godzilla. Atrocious. Yeah, I saw that one, okay. unfortunately. Keep going. Uh, best, part about, best part about Godzilla, by the way, is the track that Rage Against the Machine wrote for it. Uh, really, really, really good. Okay, I'll take it. Okay, keep going through his filmography in chronological order. In chronological order, uh, he did not direct that one, so I'll skip it. Uh, he made The Patriot with Mel Gibson okay. in the year 2000. Have you seen it? Nope. Not bad. Uh, yeah, I remember you saying you liked that movie. Yeah, it's from, not... It, uh, from, from overall good guy Mel Gibson. Yeah, not bad. Heath Ledger's in it. Yeah. Yeah. I have unfortunately seen the 2004 disaster movie The Day After Tomorrow. I knew that you had seen that one. Yeah, I for and again, that's 2004, so you have to remember I'm like 7 or 8 when that came out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I've seen it and I think multiple times. Yeah. There are our man crush uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's in there. Yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal before he knew how to act. Yep. Or I guess uh, that's post Donnie Darko, so maybe that's an unfair thing to say. So, what, uh, in all honesty, what did you think of the day after tomorrow? Uh, well, I mean, when I was eight, I thought it was fucking wicked. <laughs> but uh, I have rewatched it in I think my teens, and it's not very good. Day after tomorrow is a guilty pleasure of mine, much like this film. Yeah. I, yeah, I, it's, it's fine. It's thoroughly enjoyable. Yeah. Is it a good movie? Fuck no. <laughs> I, re- I remember very little about that movie, but I do remember that there's a librarian character who is just determined to get everybody to die, apparently, because she lectures them for burning books when they're they're in the middle of like a nuclear winter or something mm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Um, the next one that he uh, both wrote and directed is, 
I think what you've defined as the worst movie you've ever paid to see, if if I recall. Interesting. Uh, that, do you want me to give it to you? Or oh you to shit! Uh, God damn it! No. Nope. Begins with a number. Begins with an R. Number with a number. Twenty twelve. No, that's <laughs> that's the next one. <laughs> that's that's not that's not the one that I was thinking of. But yes, he also made twenty twelve. Oh he god. He made one before twenty twelve. That's also a number movie. Yeah, it's it's about prehistoric times, but I can't remember the name. 10,000 BC. Thank you, 10,000 BC. Yes, yeah. One of those movies that we were talking about in our earlier podcast we recorded today that I was forced to go see because of somebody else. Yeah, and yes. that you would love to forget. Yeah, and I have forgotten it. I've forgotten it so much that I kind of want to rewatch it now. So then he made, he made 10,000 BC, he made 2012, and he made a movie called Anonymous, which I've never heard of. And then we get into White House Down. Haven't seen Stonewall, it. Stonewall. Haven't seen it. Independence Day Resurgence. Haven't seen it. Uh, and Midway. Okay. Midway, I'm uh, kind of, I've, I'm interested to see. I was actually going to rent it on iTunes like two weeks ago because it was their 99 cent rental. And I was like, oh, fuck a dollar? I could do that. I just never got around <laughs> to it. So yeah, that's Roland Emmerich. Uh, not very good. I'm just going to go out and say that. Not a very good director. A lot uh, of bad movies in there. Highly prof- well, highly profitable, entertaining, cheesy popcorn fun is what he makes. You know, you know what's funny? Is that in my notes for this movie, in, which is Independence Day as we get back to it. Uh, <laughs> in my notes for this movie. Uh, well, let's put it this way. As we were describing Roland Emmerich, not a fantastic director. Making popcorn movies. Cheesy movies. And movies that, in the case of Independence Day, come off as American propaganda. My first note that I have written on my page is, I feel like in a different universe, Michael Bay could have made this movie. Oh, well said. What do you think about that? Uh... I feel like if this movie, this script, had found itself on Michael Bay's desk, he would be powerless to not make this movie. I agree, but this here's the thing I can tell you right now. If Michael Bay made this movie... Neither Margaret Collin, Mary McDonnell uh, are in this movie. Not even close. Now, Mary McDonnell plays the First Lady, and Margaret Collin plays Constance Spano, who is, I think, the Chief of Staff. Neither one of those is cast if Michael Bay is directing this movie. Why is that? Because it would be somebody that looks like Megan Fox. Yeah. Michael Bay does not... This is not a knock on Mary McDonnell or Margaret Cullen because they are they are attractive women. They are they are attractive women, but he would Vivica Fox would still be in this movie, and she would have the same occupation. Yes, (laughs) but the first lady and the chief of staff would both be smoking hot chicks. Yeah, if Michael Bay directed this movie, also most likely. Hmm. Someone like uh, there's probably a couple other people that probably wouldn't have gotten cast. I, I, in all honesty, I think the cast, I I like the cast in this film. If Michael Bay had directed this movie, I think we'd see a much more attractive cast than what we have. Which is a fair note. However, you look at all of the other 
comparisons. Like when we talked about Michael Bay and The Rock just a few short weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, like all the comparisons are insane. There's tons of images of Americana, like the Statue of Liberty. Uh, whereas when we were talking about The Rock, I think even though Alcatraz isn't as iconic, it's certainly a landmark in uh, in the Bay Area. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's tons of American flags in this movie. There's explosions on explosions on explosions. Uh, and of course, there's helicopters, which we talked about at length. Uh, Michael Bay's uh, directorial hard on for uh, using helicopters whenever possible. I think we just missed a uh, perpetually setting sun and we end of apparently an attractive first lady and we would have had ourselves a Michael Bay movie. Possibly. But the thing with the, the helicopters in this in this film is the helicopters in this film are there for a reason. <laughs> are you listening, Michael? Yes. Like the main heli- the there's there's basically off the top of my head three uses of helicopters. Two of them are to leave the White House. So you need those ones. And then there's the one that Will Smith steals to go find his lady. All required. If Michael Bay had done this, there would have been those fighter planes would have been helicopters. So, anyways, okay. So I want to talk about this movie a little bit spoiler free before we dive into it. And I actually have a bit of a story. And I've been trying to search and get to the bottom of this story because there's always somebody that's in the story. I'm never, I was never quite sure. And I finally got the answer I was looking for. I saw this movie in theaters. This movie was so hyped leading up to it. It was the movie event of the year and I was pumped to see it. And I went and saw it with one of my, uh, one of my best friends at the time, uh, Marty Corba, uh, no longer friends. That's a whole other story. But uh, I, I'm sure he appreciates the shout out. Yeah, I'm sure he does. I doubt he's listening. <clears throat> there's I, there's no ill will. No ill will. Just just grown apart. Grown apart. And uh, there was always somebody else at the screening with us, and I could not remember if it was past and future guest Mike Chardulo or past and future guest Adam Lazanero. And I finally got the answer. It was Adam Lazanero. And Independence Day is probably in my top 20, if not top 10, most favorite and most fun movie-going experiences I've had. Because the movie is so cheesy and fun, it was such a joy to watch slash make fun of. And one of the jokes I remember the most Throughout this film, not spoiling anything, the the course of this movie runs over three days. July 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. Bastard skipping Canada Day. But yes. Okay, that's fine. Now, at the movie theater, I bought a collector's cup that had on it, July 2nd, it said, they arrive. July 3rd, they attack, and July 4th, I think it said, we fight back. And so we were laughing. We're like, they just spoiled the whole movie on this cup. And then when the title card comes up July 3rd, we'd all look at our cup and be like, we know what's about to happen. (laughs) (laughs) It was so much fun. And then after the movie ended, Marty, Adam, and I left out the back door of the old Cineplex in downtown Kamloops 
And we stayed in the back alley behind that movie theater for another hour talking about and making fun of this movie to the point where we were laughing so hard and so loud that the apartment building behind us, several, several people that live there put their heads out the window and told us to shut the fuck up and get away from there. It was one of the funnest movie going experiences I've ever had. And I'm so glad that I finally got the answer on who the third person was because I knew for a fact it was Marty, but I could not remember if it was Adam or Mike, and I finally found out that it was Adam just yesterday, just in time so I could tell that story. It was so much fun to watch this movie in theaters. And like I said, the hype around it was mind-boggling. Like this was... The marketing for this movie was done so well. Everybody wanted to go see this movie, and everybody did go see this movie, obviously, with the 306 uh, domestic box office. Okay, that being said, this has always been one of my ultimate guiltiest pleasures. This movie is not a good movie, but it is so much fun to watch. And yes, this is the movie that launched Will Smith into superstardom. This is where this is the beginning of where we finally got to see the Will Smith that most people know and think of now. And it was a revelation to see him in this because prior to this, I hadn't seen Bad Boys yet. And I probably saw Bad Boys later on this year. Bad Boys just wasn't on the radar for me. And he, it's like you said, he had some of the best lines, the funnest lines. His chemistry with Jeff Goldblum is fantastic, the way they play off one another. And they don't even run into one another until over halfway through the movie. It's This movie is, in all honesty, the literal definition of of two things. I think it's honestly the literal definition of a popcorn movie. The kind of movie you sit down, plug in, eat your popcorn, and you don't have to think. There's not a lot of plot going on here. It is exactly like that cup said. They arrive, they attack, we fight back. That's the movie. And it's also the very definition of a guilty pleasure. A movie that should not be as fun as it is, but the movie knows exactly what it is. It has great special effects. It has some great action sequences and is so easy to follow and so much fun to watch. But there's problems with the dialogue. There's so many plot holes that you can fucking drive a semi-trailer through. It's just a fun movie. And if you're looking for a fun movie and you've never seen Independence Day, I cannot recommend it enough. All right. And can, can we also just say one of, for all of this movie's flaws, one of the most... I'm going to use the I word, iconic yes. movie speeches in the history of cinema, right? One, I, of, <laughs> one of the all-time great movie moments, regardless of your opinion on this movie. No, I'm going to disagree. I'm going to... Really? I, I am. I know what you... This, the, the presidential speech in this movie, it, it is one of the more well-known parts of, the, of this film, but I wouldn't put it to that kind of high praise that you just lauded upon it. Okay, but iconic at least, no? I I don't know. I guess maybe that's something that you can I can discuss when we talk about what's the legacy of this film. I guess, yeah, sure. Uh, I I think there's I, I think there's something more iconic about this movie, but we'll get to that when when we get to that. So let's okay. start. Let's uh, let's get into the spoilers of this twenty four year old film. In three, two, one, uh, go fuck yourself. One of the things that I love about this movie, Sam, 
is this movie wastes zero time to get going. The little, the literal, the literal opening of this film is the aliens arriving. This movie really, honestly, doesn't waste any time. And while the aliens are arriving, we get incredible character introductions. You learn everything you need to know about each one of these characters right off their opening scene. It's a great, despite the problems I have with the script and all this, this is actually really great and really efficient, really efficient filmmaking. I agree with just about everything that you just said, but I have to say, as much as I love Jeff Goldblum, I do not like his character introduction. I, uh, first of all, the dialogue is so bad between him and his dad. His, they're just talking about, they're talking about life in a way that regular people just don't talk about life. When uh, his dad says, uh, "I've been meaning to talk to you about something. It's been four years, and you're still wearing your wedding band." I'm just like, "Come on!" Just... Not to mention, it takes place during the completely cheesy and stereotypical. You know, this is the smart guy because he's playing chess. Scene like <laughs> the, there is no quicker shorthand in all of cinema for, "Hey, this guy's smart. Watch him play chess." Uh, uh, yeah, but you're you're it should, it should you're making me roll my eyes, but it does. You're a chess nerd, shouldn't you be taking that as a compliment? And I'm I'm dumb sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so is Jeff Goldblum. He's still wearing his wedding ring. He thinks he still has a chance. Well, that's true. I never thought of it that way, Manny. Yeah, this movie's oh, fucking this brilliant. This movie's fucking deep, man. Uh, I don't know why I bother to try to dissect these sorts of movies, but here we are. <laughs> Uh, the, the, I, I just I have to re- really ex- accent this point. Just this, I I can't even think of any other examples right now. But I feel like I'm not alone in this, right? The chess player or the the smart guy playing chess scene is just like a common thing in cinema, right? Like, oh, it's, it's a, a trope. trope. Somebody is smart. It's right? a it's a total trope. Yeah, but it works. That's why it's, it's a trope. It's always just bothered me. You spend many spend two minutes on any chess website, and I promise you, you will encounter the bottom of the barrel of human intelligence. Just it's it is rem- just like any other game, just just like any other video game or online game. If you go online, you will find a cesspool of idiocy, just like any other game. Sure, I'm sure you would. I'm sure you would. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my piece on that. Fair enough. Fair enough. I am irked. I am already irked, and we're like five minutes into this movie i think you have a carryover from the last episode um yeah that last episode got me in a bad mood yeah fucking let it let it go we're about to have the fucking funnest time of our lives with independence day <laughs> we'll see about that I'll all right the judge of that. fine fair enough holy fuck you're a fucking downer okay <laughs> um i like i said i love that they waste no time there's not a lot there's no don't get me wrong while the characters are fine, there's no fucking character development in this film. Spoiler alert, no. no character development. Uh, it's And there doesn't need to be. This movie isn't about character development. This movie isn't a quote-unquote film. This movie is the very definition of a popcorn movie. They're going to blow some shit up. You're going to have fun watching them do it, and that's all it is. And that's and it's, bad, it's bad guys versus good guys. Good guys are going to win. Yeah, it's and it's done... I think it's done so incredibly well. And sadly, this is probably the last big special effects driven movie where a lot of special effects were done practically. 
the the attack scenes were all done practically that's not digital fire that's real fire and yeah the the white house uh, exploding in particular uh done if i'm not mistaken with a model all Uh, all of the all of them were models man all of them it was fucking amazing and they they look really really incredible especially in comparison to a lot of uh, cg stuff and i i mentioned on the podcast we just recorded but i recently watched mars attacks and seeing two alien invasion movies that were made in the same year and the quality of effects the quality of effects between the two of them is just night and day it, it really can't be overstated just how for all this movie's flaws just how cutting edge the special effects were in this movie oh it's fantastic and uh, speaking of which which is perfect the reveal um uh, well uh, hold on i'll get there the build up of the tension of this movie of how in the movie the 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 movie characters don't know what's going on. I really like how they build it up, even though every single person in the theater knows exactly what's going on. So while it did need to be dealt with, I did like how they tried to build up that tension, even though we know nothing. And then it leads right into that incredibly dramatic reveal of the spaceships as it's coming through that fire cloud and through our atmosphere. It's such a beautiful and amazing shot that still holds up to this day. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with basically all of that. There's a lot to like about this movie visually, for sure. Um, there is one tiny little thing. I don't know if you noticed it, uh, but I've I've easily watched this movie over 20 times in my lifetime. And it's at the very beginning when the army or the armed forces are trying to figure everything out and the general's about to go into some room and his underling swipes the key door, but the general doesn't open the door and he waits for his second in command to open it. And there's this mm-hmm. little look that he gives and the second command realizes he's like, Oh, he's waiting for me to open the door. So he grabs it and opens it for him. I was like, it's this little thing. I was like, that's fucking awesome. He's like, I'm not fucking opening the door. You're going to open it for me. I'm not going to lie. I have not noticed that what you're talking about. Oh dude, if you ever watch it again, it's, it's seriously within the first three or four minutes. You'll, okay. and once you see it, you'll, you'll, you'll never not notice it again. It's fucking superb. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, there's not a lot of plot. We're on July 2nd. They arrive. The yeah. While you didn't... You mentioned the chess game between uh, Jeff Goldblum and his dad, Judd Hirsch. Um, while you didn't really appreciate the dialogue, their chemistry together, in my mind, is top-notch. The way... Their, the, their dialogue delivery, the way they play off one another, the chemistry these two actors have together is great, and it stays throughout the whole film. Uh, in particular, uh, their dialogue as they're going to DC uh, is, <laughs> is really, really good. Uh, one of the best lines in the entire movie is when his dad tells him, what, you think we're going to get to DC and it's not going to be there? <laughs> and they just share this look. It's really funny. I, I didn't mean to imply, and I hope that I didn't, uh, I didn't mean to imply that none of their dialogue is good. But uh, in that scene in particular irked me, but they, as a comedic duo, are very, very good through the entire movie. Awesome. Uh one other thing, it's uh, – I don't know if you noticed him. He's a little bit younger, and it's a smaller scene, so you might not remember it. But do you remember when the kid's trying to steal the virginity of Randy Quaid's daughter? I do. Okay. That kid is the quote-unquote villain from 10 Things I Hate About You. Uh, you 
I haven't seen 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh, shit. Oh, damn it. <laughs> you know that I haven't seen 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh, I totally I forgot. I, I thought I, I, I actually didn't. I'm going to add that to our list of movies. Oh, I really, I really, really, because I know that you love that movie. I do love that movie. Uh, okay, so the... Okay, we're just kind of all over the map, so I'll try and get us a little bit more focused. Let's go. Well, let's let's just kind of let's just make it easy. Let's we'll just go through some of the cast members that we really enjoy. So let's start with a let's start with a big one. You've already talked about Will Smith. Like I said, this is this is the beginning of his ascension to superstardom, and this movie kind of reminded me on how much I really used to enjoy Will Smith as an actor. I. Really, honestly, I'd probably have to take a look. I can't remember the last movie he's done that I liked. Um, I, I just had his filmography open a second ago, actually. But I, I have since closed out of it. Well, I got Let's it right. See. I got it right here. Actor. Yeah, he has been in some uh, some stinkers recently. Okay. I know that you said you enjoyed Bright, but uh, but I know that got bad reviews generally. He's been in. Suicide Squad got terrible reviews. Collateral Beauty got terrible reviews. Aladdin, I don't know how the reviews were in the end, but it certainly faced a lot of backlash for even existing. After Pol- Earth was trash. Okay, I can already tell you. Okay, so I didn't mind Men in Black 3, so that's 2012. I didn't mind it. Hancock, I didn't mind, so that's 2008. So we're looking at first 2000. Half, first half of Hancock is quite good. Yeah. So we're, I have to go all the way back to 2007's I Am Legend to the last time I've liked Will Smith in a movie. That's thir- Which I have watched for the billionth time just recently when uh, when the pandemic hit, ironically enough. Such a good movie, I Am That's Legend. 13 years of me not liking him in movies. I did not realize until right this second just how bad it's been for him recently. Yeah. Now, I have said that I want to revisit Bright. And I still plan to do so. So I, I'm going to tentatively count that. So that that now cranks it up to one movie in the last 13 years that I've liked. That's that's not good. Uh, I also saw him in Focus, which I barely remember anything about. It's from 2015. It's with him and Margot Robbie. I remember thinking that was a pretty solid movie, but uh, yeah, aren't there, they aren't they con men? Or con- yeah, that's right. And there's you you saw it, right? No. Oh, okay. There's one scene in the middle of that movie, which is like one big long take, which is really, really cool. Uh, but other than that, I I remember at least thinking it was okay, but I don't think that really counts. Okay. So, but this is a reminder of what this man can do when he really truly wants to and decides to pick good projects, quote unquote good projects. Mm-hmm. As this is, again, like we said, not a good movie, but a fucking fun one. And... He's just dripping with charisma in this movie. He is just a joy to watch. And like you said, he gets so many great lines in this movie. They, and they give him all of the best comedic material in this movie, in my opinion. Yeah. I already mentioned the welcome to Earth punch to the face uh, is really, really funny. Also, when he's driving uh, that corpse of the alien to Area 51, he gets asked for his clearance <laughs> he just says to the guy, oh, okay, how about I just leave this here with you? And shows the dead alien. Yeah. So funny. <laughs> His delivery of the lines, in addition to the lines themselves, uh, yeah, the man's a, a, a full-on movie star at this time in his career. Oh, full-on movie star. And actually, in, in that same Welcome to Earth scene, he actually does something that I 
that I totally steal from him all the time and I say all the time. It's after he's ejected from the plane, the UFO has crash landed and he's landed with his parachute and it's still attached to him and he's walking towards it and he's still attached and he unclips. He's like, get off me, get off me. <laughs> I, I still to this day do that. Oh, if, if anything is on me, I'll say it exactly the way he does. Maybe not as loud, and I'll just say it to myself, but I'll be like, and I'll do that. Like, I'll, I'll kind of, and I'll look back pretending there's something there. Like, get off me, get off me. Do you make uh, yourself chuckle when you do it? I do. In my head, I'm like, I'm funny. <laughs> well, now if I ever see you do that, I'll get it. Yeah. I don't, I honestly don't think anybody else would understand that reference because it's such a small part of that, of the movie, but it's the way he does it uh, that I just fucking love. And, there's he also has that obviously there's the great scene where he sees the aliens for the first time like he he's sleeping in with his stripper girlfriend and he's taking the leak and he's looking out the window can't see can't see the ufo from there but he sees all the people leaving he's like all the white folk are moving (laughs) guess they can't take the quakes and he comes out and he's reading the newspaper on the street and then he does the side glances and he realizes like something's fucking going on and there's a great reaction shot like where he's looking straight just over the camera where he sees the UFO. And then they have the great moment where Vivica Fox comes running out. She hasn't seen it until she gets to him. Great reaction shots from the two of them. Uh, Just small moments like these that, as we've touted many times on our podcast, it's the little things that add up. Yeah. And he also has a moment with his, uh, with, I guess, her son. Yep. Uh, where he asks, what have you been doing? He says, I've been out all morning shooting aliens. <laughs> and he doesn't even realize the ramifications of that. Yeah. Like, oh, you've been out shooting aliens? <laughs> he just thinks he's being a kid. Yep. But, yeah, that, that whole sequence is really good as well. Um, I guess it's kind of, it's, it's so funny. It's hard to talk about the actors in this movie because there's not a lot of real acting going on. This movie is just a bunch, it's just kind of, some moments strung together uh, with some big major set pieces. Yeah, Sam, go ahead. I just wanted to say, as long as we're talking about the actors, I wanted to talk about uh, Bill Pullman, if we could. Okay, let's uh, talk about him. Let's talk about President Whitmore. I find it really funny. Uh, first of all, I like Bill Pullman in this movie. I like him as the president. But yeah. it's interesting to see what a director like Roland Emmerich thinks a character arc is it's really it's really interesting to see how the character arc for bill pullman is written in this movie because in the very first scene we get it introduced uh i can't remember what character says it but somebody says about the president while he's within earshot they voted for a warrior but elected a wimp or something like that yeah it's, uh, well it's, and, it's on tv oh sorry it's on tv yeah they voted for a warrior but they got a wimp and his character arc through the movie is basically just that scene and then him at the end of the movie joining the fight. Like, that's that's the entire arc of his character. I just think it's really funny that... And that everything else in between is just superfluous. Everything else in between is just talking. This is where we're going. This is what the aliens are doing right now. And then he's just used for exposition for the rest of the movie, in my opinion. I mean, he does have a few good comedic moments. I like his dynamic with David. I like how they have a whole beef history they they have they have some history that goes way back i yep. like when movies allude to histories between characters that just makes the world feel a little bit richer a little bit more uh a little bit more full it doesn't really change the fact that david is allowed into the white house for some reason being somebody who has a known 
rough history with the president. <laughs> He's let into the Oval Office without the president's knowledge, which is kind of hilarious. But o- overall, it's good. I, I just wanted to at least point out that they it's not that they just completely ignored character arcs in this movie. I felt like they actually tried with Bill Pullman and it didn't really work. He's the o- barely, he, barely even noticeable. Well, he's the only one that I feel they tried with. There's nobody else that has any type of growth whatsoever or any type of that does that changes whatsoever in like yeah. in any way, shape or form. So that's fine. They tried with the president. That's cool. It's. Bill Pullman, yeah, you're right. He just has exposition. There's not really much for him to do. You, you feel, and I'm not far off on 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 it. I just don't. I don't have it ranked as highly as you do. But you are obviously. Well, I shouldn't say obviously. It seems that you're very much a fan or hold his big speech at the end in high regard. I may. I- I mean, yes, it's one of the better moments in the movie. I was more so just saying that in the in the history of action movies specifically, well, I mean, not even necessarily just action movies, but okay, let's go with that. In any action movie, I don't know. I don't I can't think of any other let's go beat the bad guys speech that comes to mind for people before this one. I would I would disagree. I believe I would say uh, Russell Crowe in Gladiator. I would say Mel Gibson in Braveheart. Those are two easily off the top yeah, of my head. Those those are really 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 good movies. <laughs> you you just said earlier that this is one of the most iconic monologues in movies. Those are movies. I don't know. Maybe I just hold this in higher regard than you as far as its famousness. Again, I was not alive when this movie came out, so maybe I'm overestimating that. But I've always just considered this to be a, a famous movie speech. I I, I wasn't saying I'm, I'm, one of the most famous movie speeches. I, I would guess, I, at, at least as far as like, may, maybe I should qualify that with a cheesy one of the most famous cheesy movie speeches. I won't disagree with that. And and like so, I I just to clarify, like I un, like I'm not disputing that this movie that that his monologue at the end isn't famous it is i just don't think like the way you present it to me is that it's one of one of the most famous and i i feel i disagree i think there's a ton of monologues in a million other movies that are much more famous than this one but yeah in in better movies than this one though yes like better monologues in better movies I think obviously are and should be more famous, but for some reason in this little cheesy popcorn flick, there's just this one moment that you said off the beginning that there's a, a, something more iconic in this movie. Yes, I do. I, I, okay, what, what do you think I, is more iconic in this movie? The blowing up of the white house is easily more iconic. Yeah. Okay. I, I can get on board with that. Sure. I, Again, I, I, I was not, I was not born uh, when this movie came out. So I feel like I haven't, I certainly don't have as good a grasp on the cultural impact as you do, so I'll certainly take your word for it. And you've seen this movie about five times as often as I have, probably, so I'll definitely take your word for that. But I, I've always just considered the uh, This Is Our Independence Day speech to to be more famous than I guess it actually is. No, no, and but 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 that's that's one of the great things about you and I on this podcast is that we're two completely different generations. So. Yeah. My generation 
I I feel a a lot of people my age remember this movie for the special effects, for the blowing up of the iconic signature buildings and symbols that that it does. Obviously, I I think the one in L.A. they blow up is the Sony Record. I the fuck I can't remember the name of that tower that they blow up in L.A. But it blows up the it it blows up. It's a I know it's a record. I know it's a like a, a music industry tower. And then it blows up the Empire State Building, and it blows up uh, the White House. The White House blowing up is one of the most, in my opinion, is one of the most iconic shots in action movie history. That's what, in my opinion, that this movie's legacy will be is the special effects in that initial attack. A close second is that monologue that President Whitmore gets because it's it's cheesy bad and yet still ch- and still actually relatively good. Bill Pullman pulls it off and actually gets you to actually feel. It is one of f- – f- for what it is, it's definitely right up there. It's, it is part of this film's legacy is, in my opinion, the initial attack and President Whitmore's speech. Yeah, I mean, the two examples that you gave as counterexamples for ones that are more popular are certainly, I, if not, I, I would say almost certainly more famous and definitely better, <laughs> and in de- and in better movies. So I would, I will take my name is Maximus Decimus Meridius, or they will never take our freedom any day over today we celebrate our independence day. I want to be clear about that. <laughs> I, I've, I, I don't know. I've just. In the few times that I have seen this movie all the way through, I've, I've just always felt like if I've ever spoken to anyone about it, they'll say, oh, all I remember from that movie is is like the speech, basically. And and I guess shit blown up. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe I've, I've overestimated it, perhaps. No, not at all, because you're it's it's not that that that's the way that you've that you felt. And that's what you feel the legacy is. Neither one of us is right. Neither one of us is wrong. It's just. All right. F- from what I from from my memory and, and my recollection of of the Independence Day films, when I think of Independence Day, my immediately my immediate first thought is the blowing up of the White House. Now, granted, probably part of that is because the VHS cover shows that. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. For those who don't know, for the kids listening, VHS is an outdated movie watching technology, which has given way to Blu-ray and 4K. Yeah. So. Yeah, so but there's nothing wrong. Like it, for you, the legacy of that of this film will be that speech. For me, it's going to be the initial attack. Um, for me, I'll, I'll definitely always associate this movie with the speech. Awesome, sure. like, and that's yeah. awesome. It's a great thing to remember. Uh, I guess the last person. Well, I shouldn't say the last person. There might be other people we want to talk about. We should maybe touch on Jeff Goldblum a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. You had a problem with the uh, the the chess uh, the the chess fuck what the trope thank the, you trope the, the character introduction and yeah. the, the most, even though that that was a small little gripe with the chess scene the the dialogue I, the exposition was a little heavy handed it's it's not like it's not among like it's not enough to ruin the character or the movie for me certainly not i i like uh i like this character jeff goldblum like i said is uh is a pretty pretty darn good comedic actor when he wants to be um even even in something like jurassic park he uh he really does a really good job of delivering his comedic lines in a unique and hilarious way and i 
I know I said it off the top, but I just I love his way of speaking, especially with the dialogue that he's given. Yeah, I know you're a big Jeff Goldblum fan, and he is just such a joy to watch in this movie, even more so in Jurassic Park. I love him in Jurassic Park. And in here he's he's pretty good. He doesn't really get he doesn't get too many great lines because Will Smith steals them all, but his chemistry with Will Smith when they finally do team up uh, is a lot of fun to watch, uh, especially the the two of them using the word oops. And um, I love when he's like he he I shouldn't say he steals, but I don't I don't know if he's if he's stealing it, if he's paying homage, but he uses the same line that he does in Jurassic Park. Go faster, go faster. And uh, I don't, he's just he's a lot of fun in what is generally well in what is generally usually a pretty thankless role the the super nerd uh in mm-hmm. movies like this so That's true. he does elevate it a little bit and yeah there's like i said there's so many plot holes in this movie you already mentioned one this complete stranger who has a who's had a physical altercation with the president is allowed into the white house uh during a time of emergency by the way um mm-hmm. So there's so many things that are obviously wrong, but again, with with this movie, much like your uh, much beloved Pacific Rim, just let it go, just let it go, hang on for the ride, and you'll be entertained. I just want to say about uh, Jeff Goldblum one last time that uh, on top of his two roles that we've talked about, Jurassic Park and this one. How fucking awesome was he in uh, in Thor Ragnarok as Grandmaster? <laughs> was he? He might have been my favorite part of that movie in a movie that's already very very good. Oh, he's the not Grandmaster. He's so over the. top. It's like it was written specifically for him, the Grandmaster. It's oh, so perfect. Totally, but he's not even close to being my favorite thing in Thor Ragnarok. Not even close. Yeah, I know. I, I, is your favorite part of Ragnarok the? Uh, I'll try not to spoil it in case people didn't have it spoiled by the trailers like you did, but the reveal midway through. No, in all honesty, if while while fucking awesome, yeah, yes, but in all honesty, the the best part of Thor Ragnarok was Taika Waititi's really finally letting Chris Hemsworth show us what he can truly do. Yeah, because the first Thor it was pretty good. The second one not so good, and he was like he was fine in Avengers. But now, because of Thor Ragnarok, Thor is probably one of my favorite characters in the MCU. Yeah, he added a whole layer of depth to the character. Yeah, so Chris Hemsworth's, I guess, resurrection, for lack of a better word, is my favorite thing about Ragnarok. Uh, oh, go ahead. You were about to say something. No, I was going to say let's get back to Independence Day, but I don't know where else to go. Okay, so then I want to talk about... What I'd love to talk about is the uh, coordinated initial attack by the aliens on the three major cities. They obviously attack other ones across the globe, but we don't get to see them. We get to see the attack on L.A., the attack on Washington, D.C., and the attack on New York. These, at the time, were mind-blowing. I remember being in the theater and everyone just jaws agape staring at the screen in awe of what we were seeing. And 
for me, one of the reasons that I truly, truly love this movie, and we've talked about before, is I'm a huge fan of practical effects. While CG, uh, CGI allows them to do things that they can't do and stuff like that, the overuse of CGI has really kind of made me nostalgic for movies like this. And seeing those... Like, I, I know how they made these special effects. Like, it's all model work, and then the models, instead of laying flat, are laying on the side. So the f they just blow something up, and the fire goes up as it would naturally. And then you just tilt the camera so it looks like it's moving horizontally. That's how they got those shots. And it's... F I remember... One of my favorite games to play in my head is with every action movie, horror movie, sci-fi movie is what would I, could I survive these movies? And Independence Day was one of the few times where I've seen it. I was like, I would not survive. I would die because there was there was nowhere you could go, nowhere you could hide. They have they show that one shot of the guy that's in the building and that fucking the fireball just envelops the whole building and blows it to pieces. It's. Yeah. It's just a jaw-dropping display of raw power of what these aliens hold. And it's even last night, because uh, I, I watched this movie last night, it was a, just an absolute joy to watch. <laughs> it was an absolute joy to watch the destruction of these three cities. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking sadist. Yeah. Uh, and then... The blowing up of the White House, uh, again, it was a model. They blew it up for real. And I don't know. There's just something visceral. And you, you, I don't know. You just It just feels better than all the CGI stuff that we're getting nowadays. No, I agree. I wish more directors would take notes from this. I mean, for all of the crap that I just gave Michael Bay, he always manages to use a fair amount of uh, uh practical effects in his movies to great effect. I think uh, Christopher Nolan is one of the people working in the industry today who uses practical effects most effectively in most of his movies. Um, there, there is a, uh, a texture that practical effects manage to add to movies that uh, I spent that, uh, that computer generated imagery cannot at this time in history replicate and maybe never can, uh, yeah, it, it's something that I think directors are taking shortcuts on more and more, which is frustrating to see as as diehard film purists and snobs like ourselves. It's just, it, sadly, it just makes more sense. It's more time effective and less costly to do everything in the computer than it is to build those models and blow them up and stuff like that. So it's unfortunate, um, but it's nice to come back and revisit movies like this where you see it done in a way that's just way more way more engrossing and uh, is one of my favorite parts of this movie. I always enjoyed, uh, you know, the, the, the president gets to Area 51 and I've always loved, oh, let's see, where is this? Uh, James Rebhorn, who plays the CIA guy. Uh, our our good buddy from uh, the game. Yeah, I recognize him. <laughs> of course, I've seen this movie more often and more recently than I, or I, I'd seen this movie more often at least than I had seen the game. But this was the first time I watched it. I was like, that's the guy from the game. <laughs> it's funny because I actually think of of James Rebhorn. Uh, I associate him with the movie Scent of a Woman, uh, the most 
the most. And uh, it was, uh, but he has this one great line when they get into Area 51 and uh, Bill Pullman's like, how was I never informed of this? How do I not know about this? And he just goes, two words, Mr. President, plausible deniability. And I've always loved that. I'm like, I bet you that's, I, I always in my mind, I'm like, I bet you that's how it really is. Really? Ah, uh, man, I, I think there's no way the president doesn't know what's happening in Area 51. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? I just, I, I don't know why. I've always just loved that. I've always loved, I love those two words together. Plausible deniability. Hmm. It's funny. I, I We might have to agree to disagree on this one because I always felt that the idea that the president would have this kept from him uh, to be a little bit silly. And hmm. I've always felt like there's no way he wouldn't know. I can't say. Don't care. I neither of us work in the White House, nor will ever work in the White House, so I don't think we'll ever get confirmation either way. I don't know. I don't know. I I I I don't know because I don't believe I don't believe in either form of. If if they revealed yes, if they revealed tomorrow that aliens had landed here and were had been kept secret from the general public and everyone in the government knew, I'd be like. Yeah, fine, I believe it. Or if for some reason somebody snuck into Area 51 and somehow got access to everything and shown that there had never been any aliens whatsoever and Area 51 is just a very secure location for something and there had never been aliens that had come to Earth, I'd still believe that. I believe both equally. Did you see that big movement last year, by the yes. way, online that was half tongue-in-cheek? I say only half tongue-in-cheek about people going to raid Area 51 to see what's in it. Yes, and do you know why it got stopped? Why? Because the government said, "You please don't invade a secure armed forces base because we will be forced to detain you and use force. Yeah. <laughs> and it makes sense. It'd be the same as if they decided to bum-rush Fort Bragg. <laughs> I, I saw lots of people saying they can't stop all of us. No, they really could. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know how much force the United States military has? They really, really super could stop you all, and it wouldn't be close. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in Area 51, big fan of Brent Spiner as Dr. Oaken. Uh, of course, it, it you know pulls at my heartstrings a little bit because it's data from the Star Trek The Next Generation. But I didn't know that. Yeah. He he's the actor that plays Data, and Doctor Oaken is so much fun. His crazy hair, his everything about him, how excited he is. You know, he reveals he's like they don't let us out much. That's he's... such a funny. <laughs> I, I get a good laugh from that every time. It's uh, it's just he adds a nice uh element of humor as well as more exposition, uh, explaining that they've been here before and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's also shortly here intercutting where Vivica Fox has survived the New York attack. Uh, complete bullshit. Uh, the dog surviving always bothered me. Um, yeah, apparently that fire uh, can't move around corners, hey? Nope, sure can't. Sure can't. It's too bad. Yeah. Aliens can do a lot of stuff and they have a lot of technology, but they can't make fire go around corners. Nope. Nope. It's impossible. It's impossible. They can't do it. Yep. Um, so I was... I I hate I I won't lie I from day one from when I watched that movie I fucking hated that the dog survived. So immediately after you watch this movie, you always put on I Am Legend, right? No, immediately I go to Korean restaurants. Um, so, 
Jesus. But like we talked about in uh, the episode we recorded earlier today, there is actually a little bit of sex positivity uh, in this movie where Vivica Fox isn't ashamed of being a stripper when she's having her uh, talk uh, with the first lady. I always liked that. I remember liking it back then. I was like, there's... I love how she is looking at it. She, this is the best way for her to earn the money for her and her son to live a comfortable lifestyle. And I love that. I, I was always use, a fan. Use the tools, use the tools available to you yeah. when it comes to providing for your son, for your son, especially. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and Vivica Fox has got some great tools in her toolbox. Yeah, that, that she does. Um, moving on from there. This is the one that surprised me. Uh, when the first lady died, Watching it last night, uh, it it actually hit me, and really? yeah, and I realized uh, there's a reason. Uh, this is the first time I've watched this since becoming a father. Oh, and no word of a lie, Sam. That scene got me really close to crying. Uh, You're kidding? I'm not kidding. It it hit hard, and seeing it was just. It was just fairly well done with the little girl, and and all. Uh, it, yeah. I I was just. Oh, you're talking. You're talking about the aftermath after she's died, and Bill Pullman has to go back to his daughter, right? And I'm talking about the whole. She asks if mommy's asleep. The whole thing from the moment he, uh, President Whitmore, and the daughter come into the hospital room in Area 51, and. The little girl goes and hugs her mom, and then she's, you can see she's like, I can't, I can't, I can't. And then Pullman and uh, Mary McDonald have their little talk, and, you know, it's said that they they both know she's going to die. And it started to get me there. That's where I started to feel it. It reduced immensely immediately afterwards where Bill Pullman's walking out and there's some really bad score music being played as it's trying to really elicit a response. It almost lost me. I was like, meh. But then when they go to the daughter and she says, is mommy sleeping now? I was like, oh my God. And really? Yeah. Yeah. Sam, I uh, honestly, that's going to one of the many things that will astonish you if you ever become a father is things that wouldn't even affect you before are going to hit you right in the feels, and you'll be like, what the fuck is going on? And this is one of those times. Well, I, I believe you wholeheartedly. I am not, at this period in my life, done being selfish or uh, emotionless, <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'll keep it wrapped for the time being. I, I recommend it. I recommend yeah. it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, was, uh, I, I didn't see it coming. I knew, obviously, seeing this movie so many times, I knew this scene was coming. But as soon as it started playing out, uh, I got a little case of the feels. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? And, uh, yeah. did it? No tears came. But if it, I, could, I could feel them. I could feel them. That's so strange. It's just, I mean, I, I can see why. And I certainly don't judge you for it. I know yeah. you're... I mean, we, we are not above crying in movies not at all we are certainly not quite the contrary it is to be encouraged yes to to show your emotion and such things but i won't lie to you this is a scene that if we had not talked about it i would have completely forgotten about all right i I would not have noticed if it was not talked about okay i only got three more things that i want to discuss okay one 
is uh, the thing you and I have kind of already already talked about uh, quite a bit, and that's the the big scene for you, or not big scene, but President Whitmore's speech. Yes. And again, I, I don't want to downplay it, saying it was bad. It it is a cheesy it is a cheesy one, but Pullman pulls it off. Oh, he totally does. Yeah, and it's well done. It doesn't get me all rah rah, but I could understand if. It does for other people. But then, sadly, it leads into easily my biggest complaint of the movie. And that's the president going into battle. Which is just just ridiculous. Yeah, that, that would never happen. I don't even care if the president was fucking Maverick from Top Gun. There's... 0% 0% chance. 0% chance that the president gets to go into battle, especially because early in the movie, uh, it's Albert Nimzicki, played by our boy James Reborn, uh, who states that we have to keep a working government. Fast forward, we learn that all the members of parliament or the senators and the vice president have been blown to smithereens. Yeah. So this is the only form of government left and the leader of the free world is going to go into a air battle. Uh, it's bullshit. It's bullshit. It's the biggest complaint I have about this movie. It, and it's a big one, actually. It falls into the category of American propaganda for sure. And uh, it, it's also it's also to do with the character arc that I mentioned earlier. It, or rather, I should say, the attempted character arc that they try to give to President Whitmore. It's why they have the scenes at the beginning saying that he's a wimp. It's so that this scene packs a punch and feels and feels authentic. But it so doesn't work. It so feels forced, and it so feels like unnecessary American propaganda. This, I, I'm totally in the same boat as you. It's always felt ridiculous to me that, that the president's allowed to go into battle. Yeah. Um, actually, I guess there's two more. Well, two more things. I had three. I want, I'm going to add one more. There is the whole scene with, um, with Will and Jeff flying up to the mothership in the old ship. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, they blow everything up. They install, uh, they install the the computer virus, which is a play on the War of the Worlds spoilers uh, resolution on it's a virus that kills the aliens. And in this one, it's a virus that kills the aliens, except this time it's a computer virus. Dun, dun, dun. What? Modern technology. What a twist. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, I, uh, I I like the animations that they also put into the virus. I think one of them is Hal 9000 from 2001 A Space Odyssey saying, I'm sorry, Dave, if I recall. Oh. You remember that the virus plays a few different animations, like it plays the, the skull and crossbones at one point. Yeah, that's I the o- that's the only one I remember. The Hal... When they're when they're creating the virus or when they're uploading it into their own laptop, I guess I think there's a HAL 9000 animation. Yes, on Jeff Goldblum's laptop there is. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, not not into not into the virus that they install in there. It's just on his laptop. When they're doing the experiments in, uh, when they're doing the experiments in the lab, uh, I'm just trying to remember this. Do they hook up to the alien ship using a USB port? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that they do. (laughs) 
like 90% sure that they hook up to the it's literally just occurred to me now. I'm like 90% sure there's a there's a USB port on this alien ship. It's going to bother me now. I'm yep. going to have to go back and look at this after we uh after we're done here. Pretty sure, pretty sure it's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh which if that's true, I'm sure it, it it can't be, but if it's true, that's just remarkable. That's just fantastic. Well, it has to be because they hook it into his laptop. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they use a USB port. There was, was no like a shot of it. There was <laughs> no there was no Wi-Fi back then. That's true. Yeah, they had to hardwire it in. Yep. Oh, that's fucking awesome. Uh, and then the last thing I want to touch on is a character that we didn't touch on at all, and that's Randy Quaid. Uh, his sacrifice, it's, I, I, really, I really always enjoyed the idea of it, but the execution uh, left something to be desired. But he's one of my he's one of my least favorite characters in the movie. Honestly, a lot of the comedy that revolves around his character doesn't work. He does have one line that elicits a chuckle from me, which is, "I chose the wrong day to quit drinking." Yeah, <laughs> that uh, line gets a chuckle from me. The rest of it, I could I could definitely do without. And that's kind of that's kind of everything I want to touch on in the movie. Yeah, is there anything that the that we missed uh, on your end there, Sam? Uh, that's about it. That's the only note I had on Quaid actually was I picked a bad day to quit drinking. So that's, that's the last of it for me. All right. Okay. I got a ton of, uh, behind the scenes stuff here for you. Oh boy. Um, the scene in which Will Smith drags the unconscious alien across the desert was filmed on the salt flats near the great salt lake in Utah. Smith's line. And what the hell is that smell was unscripted. Great salt lake is home to tiny crustaceans called brine shrimp. When they die, the bodies sink to the bottom of the lake, which isn't very deep, and decompose. When the wind kicks up just right, the bottom mud is disturbed, and the smell of millions of decaying brine shrimp can be very, very bad. Apparently, nobody warned Will. <laughs> that is a, that's so specific that there's no way it can't be true. <laughs> I know. Um, if somebody made up that trivia fact, good for them, because that is remarkably specific. Um, this movie holds the record for most miniature model work to appear in one film. Model shop supervisor Michael Joyce estimated that more miniatures were used for this film than in any other two films combined. Due to the advances in digital technology since this film's release, most experts believe this record may stand forever. Yeah, sort of like what we were talking about. Exactly. Um, production designer Patrick Totopoulos presented Roland Emmerich with two concepts for the aliens. Emmerich liked both designs so much, he came up with the idea to use one design as the actual alien and the other to be the biomechanical suit the aliens could wear. Both of Totopoulos' concepts appear in the film. All right. Uh, the president's speech was filmed on August 6th, 1995 in front of an old airplane hangar that once housed the Enola Gay. That, that plane is the one that dropped the atomic bomb on Hiroshima exactly 50 years earlier on August 6th, 1945. Uh, according to the liner notes from the recent La La Land Records limited release of the complete score by David Arnold, the drum rhythm heard during the invasion scenes near the beginning of the film are Morse code letters D-I-E. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't recall that part of the score, but I'm going to have to go re-listen to it. That's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, I thought you as a As a Rush fan, I am a big fan of Morse code and music. They have a song called 
YYZ. I'm not sure if you know it. That begins with Morse code for YYZ. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, but that, that's pretty fucking cool. I'm going to have to go listen to the score again. Uh, over 70 mock news broadcasts were created for the film. All of them used real-life newscasters since the makers believed that actors would not look convincing in such scenes. Uh, the abbreviation ID4 was invented due to legal problems with the title Independence Day. Before 20th Century reached a deal with Warner Brothers for the rights to the title, they suggested the film be called Invasion or Sky on Fire. Neither of which would pack the same punch. I agree. If they couldn't get Independence Day, I would have been fine with ID4. Mm-hmm. Um, along with Anatomy of a Murder, Glory... Crimson Tide, and The Dark Knight. This is one of only four films whose purely orchestral soundtracks won the Grammy Award for Best Score despite not being nominated for an Academy Award. Whoa, and what's the list again, sorry? Anatomy of a Murder, 1959, Glory, 1989, Crimson Tide, 1995, and The Dark Knight, all won Grammys for Best Score, but were never nominated for best score. The Dark Knight score wasn't nominated? Sure wasn't. That fantastic Hans Zimmer score? Yep. Hold this on. This is news to me. I'm very upset about this. Let's see. Can't what... believe they would do my boy Hans dirty like that. Let's see what films beat it out for best score. It's 2008? Yeah. I've got That's it right. Okay. So, yeah. <clears throat> What the, oh, that's sound mixing. I was like, what the fuck? I'm like, it sure did get nominated. Best original score. Uh, okay, I've only heard three of them. Uh, oh, okay. Slumdog Millionaire won. Hmm. Don't remember it. The Curious Case of Benjamin Button by Alexander Desplat. I knew. As we know. Fantastic. Yep. Uh, Defiance by James Howard. Okay. Milk by Danny Elfman. And a score I think you and I both love, Wally by Thomas Newman. <sighs> yeah, that is that is an all time. Who did the Wally score? Thomas Newman. Oh, okay. I, I know that uh, Giacchino and or Giacchino, I don't know how it's pronounced, does a lot of my favorite Pixar scores, but that is a good one from Pixar. Nice. Wally. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Uh, shown on a computer monitor in the SETI office at the beginning of the movie is a diagram of deep space satellite Devlin, named after co-writer Dean Devlin. The satellite is a miniature version of the Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope Death Star with solar arrays attached. Uh, Roland Emmerich admitted that during the movie's premiere at the White House, he gave his seat next to President Bill Clinton to Bill Pullman, fearing Clinton's reaction to the on-screen destruction of the White House. Damn. Americans uh, really lo are romantic about their uh, their symbology. Yeah, like, they are. Would you have any sort of gut reaction to the Canadian... Uh, to the, I don't even know what the hell is the Prime Minister <laughs> called in Canada. <laughs> I know. Would you have any sort of gut reaction? If you saw it blown up on screen, you'd be like, what's that? Yeah, I would be. I'm like, why they? There's like, there's like two politics nerds who are listening who are yelling at me right now, and I apologize, but I have no idea. Is there any? <laughs> Is there? <laughs> there's only one piece of architecture in Canada that if they blew up, I'd actually be upset. CN Tower? Nope, right beside it. 
Sky Dome. Oh, yeah. Definitely the Sky Dome. <laughs> I'd be upset. I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> Other than that, I don't give this, a... This is this is aside from the fact that people would die, I'd imagine. I imagine oh, yes. If the sea entire was blown up, you wouldn't be like, well, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, better, better there than here. That's what I'd say. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, I've got some casting what-ifs. Okay, sure. First one here I, th- I think you'd really like. I think it would be a completely different film, and I'm actually intrigued by this. President, President Whitmore was originally intended to be a Richard Nixon-like figure. The role, the role was originally written for Kevin Spacey. Oh, that's fucking awesome. That's super cool. Spacey yeah. delivering that monologue? I'm in. Yeah, I, I would be very much in favor of that. Uh, Jada Pinkett Smith turned down the role of Jasmine because of a scheduling conflicts with the Nutty Professor. Eh, we got to see Vivica A. Fox in, uh, in some revealing clothing. Not too mad about it. Uh, Matthew Perry was originally offered the role of Captain Jimmy Wilder, but pulled out at the last minute. Uh, Matthew Broderick was offered the role of David, but had to turn it down due to scheduling conflicts. Okay. And... Eddie Murphy was the first choice for the part of Captain Stephen Miller. Hiller, sorry. As we know, Will Smith's one of the best parts of this movie, but, uh, but I mean, Eddie Murphy's Eddie Murphy. He would have been good, too. I've got one, two, three, four, five. I've got five other people that were considered for the role as well. So let's go with, uh, well, I'll start with the worst one, and that's William Baldwin. Pass. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Also pass. Keanu Reeves. I personally like Keanu Reeves. I know that you are not a fan. We can keep him as Neo and Duke Kaboom, but pass on this one. Okay. Johnny Depp. All right, this is back before Johnny Depp went insane and lost his mind, so he probably would have done a good job. And the last one, Tom Cruise. We know how we feel about Tom Cruise in movies. Yeah. Pretty damn good. I st- Especially I action movies like this. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I still... Will Smith or Tom Cruise, I, th- I think I'm... Uh, I think it's a coin flip for me, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all the stuff I got. Favorite quote. I have eight. Holy shit. I kept it to three. Okay. Uh, why don't you go first, then? Uh... I, first one uh, chronologically is uh, the conversation between Jeff Goldblum and his dad. Uh, what you think we're going to get to Washington and it's not going to be there. That's <laughs> probably one of my favorite uh, comedic lines in the movie. Okay. Uh, we also got Will Smith punching the alien in the face and saying, welcome to Earth. His uh, disdain as he delivers that line is really, really funny. <clears throat> and then, of course, uh, the third candidate is uh, today we celebrate our Independence Day. Okay. Uh, so my favorite quotes in no particular order are... Uh, President Whitmore's uh, whole speech, his whole speech. Uh, then I have St- Captain Stephen Hiller. I mentioned it earlier uh, as he's walking towards the crash plane. That's right. That's right. That's what you get. Look at you, ship all banged up. Who's the man, huh? Who's the man? Wait till I get another plane. I'm in line up. All your friends right beside you. <laughs> uh, Great delivery. Thank you. Uh, then we have Julius Levinson. That's Judd Hirsch. That's David's father. Uh, all you need is love. John Lennon, smart man, shot in the back. Very sad. Another good comedic line from him. Uh, Stephen Hiller again. Uh, no, sir, just a little anxious to get up there and whoop E.T.'s ass. That's all. 
Yeah, when they're in the uh, they're in the briefing, right? Yep. Uh, another Captain Stephen Hiller line. Uh, right after they uh, get the ship flying, uh, I can't do his delivery, but I have to get me one of these. There's the video newscaster. Uh, once again, the LAPD is asking Los Angelinos not to fire their guns at the visitor spacecraft. You may inadvertently trigger an interstellar war. <laughs> so casual. Yep. Uh, and then I have uh, Patricia Whitmore, uh, little Patricia Whitmore asking, is mummy sleeping now? Uh, with the response, yes, mummy's sleeping now. Don't like that line. Uh, and then I always loved, uh, again, Will Smith just showing what the man can do. Uh, oh, no, you did not shoot that green shit at me. Sam, what's your pick for best quote of the of the, uh, of the film? I got to go with the Independence Day speech. It's really just that good, in my opinion. I love it. Yeah, I'm with you that. Uh, it's easily uh, President Whitmore's uh, uh, monologue as my favorite quote. Sam, your favorite scene? Uh, I have three candidates for this. I guess we didn't go over the candidates already. I have the White House destruction. Okay. I have Welcome to Earth, and I have the Independence Day speech. Okay. I have uh, – I'm I'm wrapping up uh, the destruction of the White House into the whole aliens attack sure. as the destruction of all three cities. I have the initial fighter planes versus the spacecraft, so that's going to include uh, Will Smith's uh, – the, the scene ends with him punching out the alien. Mm-hmm. I have President Whitmore's speech, and number four, I have uh, Dr. Oakham uh, opening up the armor and then his quote-unquote possession. Yeah, that's one that we didn't really get to touch on, but that's a, that's a really good scene as well. Yeah. Okay, what's your favorite scene? Today we celebrate our Independence Day. Holy shit, for me, it's when the aliens attack. <laughs> I like uh, that scene. Gets me, gets me hyped up. I love it. All right, closing credits. Are there any Oscar-worthy performances in this film? Nope, but that's okay. Yep, I'm with you. <laughs> what other aspects of this film are award-worthy? Uh, the visual effects uh, really are uh, a cut above, especially for the era. Yeah. Um, but that is about it. I'm with you. I, I would I definitely agree with the visual effects. The sound is actually really good. Uh, yeah, that's okay. Sure. Th- and those are the two nominations it got. Uh, I don't. I don't mind the score. But I'd have to take a well. Actually, you know what? I was gonna say I'm like have to it's take. Not, it's not one that stood out for me. Yeah. It's not one that I like took notes on at any point. I'm like this is a really good score, but it's certainly uh, serviceable. Well, looking at the films that were nominated for score for dramatic score, would this be in dramatic or comedy? Oh, I would have to imagine comedy. I guess. Yeah, I guess so. So maybe. I don't know. I'd have to listen to the because the other scores that were in the, the comedy scores because this is when they separated between dramatic and comedy. Yeah. Uh, I, ludicrous. I don't. I don't know any of these scores. I know the movies, but I couldn't tell you the scores. Hmm. Uh, other than that, I don't think so. Uh, who or what is the weak link of the film, Sam? Hmm. I hadn't even really thought about that. Um... I've got mine then. Sure, yeah, you go for it. The fucking huge gaping plot holes. <laughs> That's the weak link of this film. Um, okay, I, I accept that answer, but I will build off of it uh, and just say as a whole, logic. 
<laughs> logic is the weak point of this movie i think you hit the nail on the head uh you had the right idea but i just like to expand on that i love it uh was this anyone's career highlight um oh gosh that's a good question well i think we've established will smith only went up from here um that's a good question okay well let's go like this okay so will smith this is not his career highlight no. It, it, this is the his ascension. Bill Pullman, possibly. Yeah, I'm right. Looking at it, I think Spaceballs could be argued. Um, just, because, just because he has a leading role. Possibly, this is close to a leading role. I'd say there's three leads. Yeah. That's, oh, okay. That's fine. Right. Uh, Jeff Goldblum. Jurassic Park. Agreed. Or, uh, and or The Fly. I'd still go Jurassic Park. Yeah, me too. The, I, I understand what you're saying with the fly, but I think it's Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mary McDonnell, no. Judd Hirsch, no. Robert Loggia, no. Randy Quaid, no. I think Randy Quaid, his is a Christmas Vacation. Yep, agreed on that one wholeheartedly. Uh, Margaret Collin, possibly, because I, I don't know her from anything else. Yeah, me neither. Uh, James Rebhorn, no, that's the game. Um <laughs> And then we have Brent Spiner. Uh, no, that would be Star Trek The Next Generation. But the other question I have, we went through his filmography. Is this Roland Emmerich's career highlight? It might just be. Uh, I haven't seen enough. I also, like you said, with um, Day After Tomorrow being a guilty pleasure, I I would like to revisit that movie, but I can't imagine it's uh, it's as good as this one. I think I uh, I give the day after tomorrow, less of a free pass than this. I, I would say I feel comfortable saying this is Roland Emmerich's career highlight. I, I'm 100% on board that this is his career highlight. Either this or 10,000 BC. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen that? No, I haven't. I've uh, heard it's garbage. It's, ho- from you. <laughs> it's horrible. Okay. Who's the MVP of the film? Probably Will Smith. Wow. Even though your favorite scene and your favorite quote are from Bill Pullman. But for the rest of the Will Smith, good throughout. Bill Pullman is just so so throughout the rest of the movie. I'm just being devil's advocate. It's obvious. I, I know it's, because I threw the 10,000 BC thing out. There. It's obviously Will Smith. Yeah. And for you, this film's legacy will be the President Whitmore speech. I agree. I I think it's the destruction of the White House and and or the special effects. Uh would you watch this movie again? You bet. Fucking right. Same here. Would you recommend this movie to friends? You bet. Final thoughts on Independence Day. It's silly. It's cheesy. It's American propaganda. Independence Day has withstood the test of time as one of the great popcorn films of all time. The special effects hold up very, very well. It's worth the watch for those, if for nothing else. This is a movie that does not concern itself with tedious little things like character development or logic. Or anything like that. You want to watch some shit get blown up? You want to watch some aliens do some damage and then have the good guys win at the end? Independence Day. It's your movie. You can watch it. You can have some popcorn. You can have a drink. It's great. And it's July 4th, if you're listening to this. Why not watch Independence Day? It's, it is a perfectly good, perfectly rewatchable movie that has very little wrong with it as long as you don't think too hard, which we definitely just did. <laughs> I love it. I think you summed it up perfectly. This is a, an incredibly entertaining movie. 
turn your brain off, grab your favorite snacks, sit down. And if you haven't seen this movie, I implore you to watch it because this is, like I said, it's a, it's the literal definition of two types of films, a guilty pleasure and a popcorn movie. Do yourself a favor, watch this movie, be prepared to be entertained and have a great time. Oh, yeah. Have fun. Independence Day. Sam, what's your ranking of Independence Day? I think Independence Day is about the safest three that there's ever been for me. It's it's not nearly on a four level in terms of enjoyment. There is way too much wrong with this movie. And it's also not a two. It's also not an unenjoyable experience. It is firmly in three territory. Like I said, make yourself some popcorn. Have some fun. I agree 100%. This doesn't even come anywhere close to approaching a two. And I can't quite give it a four. I won't lie. It's pretty close because I had so much fun with it. But I think I was tainted a little bit because I did back-to-back. I watched Secrets and Lies and then immediately watched Independence Day. Now, thankfully, I did them in... This movie might as well have been Pulp Fiction. (laughs) This movie might have gotten a five uh, if I I didn't have my wits about me. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it's it's an easy three. It doesn't approach it. It doesn't even come close to approaching a two. Could possibly touch on a four, but the plot holes and some of the the lack of logic are just a little too big for me to forgive to give it a four, and and I didn't enjoy it quite enough to give it a four. But it's a, it's a three. It's it's the very definition of a three. So we don't have anything going on next week because hey, this is a bonus episode. We don't even know. Uh, well, I shouldn't say we don't know. I do know, but whatever. So we got nothing going on next week. So for those of you listening, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. If you give us a five-star rating, it will increase the profile of this podcast, allow more people to find us. If you got 20 seconds, 30 seconds of free time, if you just give us that five-star rating and a little bit of a review, it helps so much. Please remember to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sam underscore Manny underscore movie. Email us at sammannymoviepodcast at gmail.com. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, and we will love you forever. For the Samuel Manuel Movie Podcast, I'm Manny Manuel. We will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish without a fight. We're going to live on. We're going to survive. Today we celebrate our Independence Day. Happy Fourth of July and happy Canada Day. I'm Sam Reimer. Adios.